Earners, what's up? Look, as an entrepreneur, the dream is to earn a living doing what you love. But let's face it, turning that dream into reality is no small feat. That's where Kajabi steps in, transforming challenges into opportunities. I've been there, juggling every aspect of my business, wishing for a simpler way to diversify revenue and grow my brand. Then Kajabi changed the game. It's an all-in-one platform that empowered me to not just build, but thrive. With Kajabi, creating online courses, membership sites, and more became not just possible, but easy. And the best part? I kept 100% of what I earned, thanks to Kajabi's no-commission policy. But Kajabi isn't just about tools. It's about building a profitable business with the support of robust analytics, easy payment options, and customizable templates all without needing a huge team or audience. Join me and thousands of entrepreneurs making six or seven figures on Kajabi, regardless of your audience size. If you're ready to turn your passion into profit, Kajabi is your next step to success. So what are you waiting for? Build, grow, and keep what you earn with Kajabi. Start your journey today. And right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash earn. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash earn. Kajabi.com slash earn. And join the entrepreneurs and creators who've made over $6 billion. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Earners, what's up? Look, this episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your money. I can't front. The nerds have helped me get smarter about a few things, like planning my tax bills so that I don't dread April every year, or making a budget that's balanced, not just buying sneakers and fly clothes, or saving on travel because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night or maybe a five-star dinner. Or boosting my credit score, since we all know credit is like the real-life cheat code. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines can have on your life. You'll get the clarity you need to make smart decisions with confidence. Smart money is the smartest way to get even smarter about money. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you? Well, thank you. Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expensive. Shadi, tell them what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. This is a good one for schools. Schools want to give money to people that have shown proven history in high school of being active and value members. Like they want to put you on a billboard. So when I went to Bloomsburg and got all of that money, it's because I was a part of everything in high school. So nine times out of 10, I'm going to do what? Be a part of everything here in college. You, you can put me as an ambassador. You might want to put me up there like, you know, 
These, this is how schools think about when they give institutional money, mm. if that makes sense. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, back home. Yes. So this is going to be a follow-up episode. Um, welcome back. Glad to be back. <laughs> sure. Sonia Lewis, a.k.a. the student loan doctor. Yes. So we spoke around two years ago, um, and it was a great episode. Um, so we got your whole backstory, how you started the business, and a variety of different things. So. Mm -hmm. We'll go straight into it this time because I think that um, being that we already kind of spoke on that side, now we can kind of just focus straight on the student loan issues. And there's a lot that's going on. Obviously, yeah. it's very time sensitive. Um, the president, Joe Biden, mm -hmm. um, has made some some new changes. So there's a lot to talk about. And a lot of people yeah. are confused. A lot of people don't know what's going on, what's, what's, what's real and what's not. Yep. And um, now more than ever, people need the information because, you know, student loans have only gone up. Um, so trillion dollars in, in debt oh, total. Yeah, real so, debt. Real debt. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, real debt. First and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. Um, I will say uh, business changed significantly. <laughs> it's a blessing over your lives. Uh, no. Um, the awareness that you guys brought to our business after the first episode, I really can't thank you guys enough um, just because it is in line. Everything you guys talk about, there's always somebody's little elephant like, but what about my loans? Mm -hmm. When you think about investing, home buying, any of that, somebody has a probably six-figure student loan problem that may stop them from doing all the great things you guys are talking about. Mm -hmm. So when we shed a little light or a little perspective, it just makes people want to go actually do what you guys are telling them to do. Yeah, it's one of those things that as teenagers, I can remember, even now when we talk to young adults, nobody prepares them for this moment. Mm -mm. And we try to say it's the probably the biggest financial decision you're gonna make at 18. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, if somebody gets married later in life, that'll be one, but yep. college is, is that. And if you make the wrong decision or if you don't have the right information, like you said, you're talking six figures in debt, yeah. which is tough to climb out of, especially when you talk about interest rates, especially when you talk about the cost of living. Um, it, mm -hmm. It's tough, it's almost insurmountable. Uh, and we don't know, yeah. we don't know. why. This is why uh, episodes like this are so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so, okay, let's start here. Um, so we posted last week, a couple weeks ago, that um, Biden um, announced to cancel more than $5 million in student loan debt. More money, and, yeah. And additional. And a lot of people, you know, they was confused. They're like, well, I don't know anybody that has received any cancellations of student loans. And people was like, well, I actually did receive a cancellation of student loans. I, I saw the that. comments, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so what exactly what exactly happened um, mm -hmm. and who actually benefits from this? So here's what's going to happen. We're going to see more and more headlines like five billion, five million. We're going to just see all these headlines um, because what is coming up, anybody know? Election. Election. Well, so this is going to be the carrot, if you will, to get people to reelect in terms of our age group. So you figure anywhere from like age 30 to like 55, the, the, the student loan carrot is definitely going to keep being pulled. So he did actually give out money. And I do know from my community, a lot of people benefit from it. Now, let's talk about who benefited from it the most. You probably were over age 45. You probably were in school like 1995 to 2000 because there was a time period around that type of money that he gave out. And the term here is called income-driven um, repayment. They were looking to see, were you in school and repayment for 20, 25 years? Mm. And then here's the thing, they even made some um, exclusions. Let's say you weren't in repayment, but you had loans that amount of time in repayment, they hit for forgiven. 
well we might get into it but there was a big glitch that occurred recently too so even though they put the headline out there about the five i think it was billion right billion we're using terms billion there right we saying billions billion five billion. yeah the challenge is is that there were about over 9 million people left out in that last round. So this is the first time ever that they actually made an announcement that they messed up. I was very big with the Department of Education. I feel like they always messing up. <laughs> well, they actually said they did it though. Yeah. So what happened was there's literally what they do is they push a button. It's like a real one button. And if you qualify according to their system, you would have got the email, you get the letter, things go into perspective. Well, a lot of people, over 9 million people got skipped because if you had just consolidated a few years prior, um, or you know how all these loans are being transferred to different lenders, the lenders aren't showing the full loan history. So a lot mm. of people accidentally got skipped. So who, who are the, the, the lenders that, that were qualified? Because I know, I mean, Navient, I know. Well, like, any, federal lender any federal lender can qualify, okay. but the problem is, is uh, let's give it a good example. You know how everybody went from Fed loans to Mohilia that was in the public service loan forgiveness? Yes. Well, just because you went over to Mohilia doesn't mean all of your history went with you. Mm. And there used to be an old system, if you're education, you'll know it called NSLDS. It actually used to be open to the public. Until the pandemic, we all could have looked at everybody's loan history on that site. Mm -hmm. Colleges and universities use it. Now it's a private site. So if you want what's called your pre-conversion record, you have to request it from the Department of Education now. It's very so wow. it's very elusive and it's yeah. actually uh, not beneficial to just the everyday person to yeah. be able to track their progress. You used to could track how long you were in forbearance, repayment, in school. Those are the type of uh, pieces of information you need to fight for yourself to get your loans forgiven. So, okay. So, um, how do you apply for that? For the pre-conversion or which part? What, the, the Joe Biden, what he just did. Okay. So if you missed it, a lot of people missed it. Like I said, over 9 million people missed it. What you would have to do is file a complaint. So we actually have something we're putting together and we've been helping people one-on-one -on -one file a complaint. So the cool thing about it is, is that it's going to take them about, uh, let's say three to six months from now we're in what december we're in december mm -hmm. so three to six months from now they're going to literally go through each person's complaint so that department is called the obusman group they'll look through they'll say hey rashad you're right you should have been forgiven we didn't see your pre-conversion record from prior some people will be told no let's say you were in grad school for forever you weren't in repayment mm -hmm. then so you have to literally submit a complaint through studentaid.gov right yeah. and it can't be like I'm upset. Y'all didn't forgive me. So they're going to close it out. <laughs> so it has to be thought out. And you should even like highlight or be prepared to say if you know which loans you believe could be forgiven. So spend a little time on it. Got you. Got you. Mm -hmm. So that was for the 9 million people. The, mm -hmm. the biggest one. And I, when you came in, you're like, Troy, how, how your loans doing? Well, I just knew you was going to say they were going. I was excited. Sorry. Well, there's some confusion around yeah. it, right? Because I feel like they're making mistakes. So, so the public service loan forgiveness. Yes. So there's a couple of things around it. Let, let's just explain to the people again what that is. And then I know there's a bunch of dates. So I yes. even I get the emails like, hey, the, this is expiring by the October. Yeah. So let, we'll start there and then we'll dive into the 
some of the misconceptions and confusion around the public service loan business? So just depending on the audience that's watching this, most people, I would say, just even think about your events are between 30 and 50. Would you say that's about right? Yep. So if you're between 40 and 50, you got to be careful here. You want to log into studentaid.gov and you want to look at your loans, click view details, and you want to see if it says that you have a direct loan. Very important. If you have what's called an FFELP loan, that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So it has to be direct loan. That's all you need to know. Then you'll be eligible for any forgiveness programs coming up, even Biden loan forgiveness. But they're doing something really, really, I don't want to say sneaky, but one email went out about it. If you have an FFELP loan, you have until December 31st. This year. This year. To apply. To apply. Or you will never get anything forgiven. This is a heavy word to say never. Okay. But the administration has said you will never, like, they're being using. So what will happen is, is if somebody's watching this in January, good to know, um, you will want to, if you have missed this information, you will want to contact the Department of Education, not your lender, and see if there's any way that you can get an extension. Now, what might happen, mm -hmm. which is important to note, go to studentaid.gov for this update. There may be an extension given because when we look at the data, that's over 10 million people. And we know that there's 43 million borrowers. Mm -hmm. 10 million are going to be excluded from forgiveness forever because of their rule. Yeah. And from a, and from a standpoint, like you said, there mm -hmm. is an election. You want to have the most, most people, people involved. Right. That's, so that, like, that's a hard rule to put yeah, around election. You can sway them around that. But so the, the, mm -hmm. the loan forgiveness, the teacher, well, we'll get to the teacher loan forgiveness, but the public... Uh, the best program I think that exists. Yes. yes. It, it's still the same requirements, right? It's 120 qualifying payments, yep. 10 years of service. Mm -hmm. And so if you have those things, most people think they qualify. Yeah. Right? And so I was under that assumption. Yeah. Um, and then when I was filling out the application, there was a box. Right. And the box said, and this is to my understanding, I'm, I was like, wait, I don't know if I qualify anymore because technically I don't work as a teacher so in a building. I do it. That's why I wanted to clarify. So I, I, I was like, wait, I don't qualify anymore. And to my assumption, because when I read the fine line, it said, Hey, if you're no longer employed, then right. how so do we do it? do it? So I didn't, the first time I didn't do it. You well, did. I did it earlier and then I didn't qualify for the first, right. before Biden changed the rules. Right, right, right. Then I, I saw that line. And I'm like, the reason why I must not I'm hammering you on that is yeah. because that thought is what's stopping everybody I'm from assuming. applying. So I wanted people to hear you say that. Yeah. So I read it again. I just still feel like I want to just, you know, tell everybody that's listening. It's not about what you feel or think anymore. Just, just submit. Okay. Because the, there are new rules. And what you don't know is what you're talking about is the rules that you could have missed was October 2022. They put a hard stop. Exactly. But it's not a hard stop. This is why I said they waiver. You go on the website for a limited time only. <laughs> the TEPSLF program has been extended. That's what you're under. Mm -hmm. But nobody's going to call you. Nobody text him and say, hey, Troy, did you get that paper in? So people did what? They just let it go and forgot about it. So I still got a chance. You have a, a fighting chance. <laughs> okay. And so I also tell people because we are coming up on Biden loan forgiveness, those that are eligible for TEPSLF, and I say these acronyms a lot and I say them hard so that I would hope that they go to studentaid.gov and type it in. Yeah. Like if you type in TEPSLF, everything comes up. You got to like literally go to your old employers, like pull up on them, get a wet signature and a oh, keyword, mail it certified. Okay. No stamps. Got you. <laughs> they throw them out. Got it's you. forty people that work here, y'all. Like in theory, like just. A I'm right. I'm listening. Yeah. yeah. So th th there's a couple of things now, right? Because the public service loan and the teacher loan forgiveness are two different things. Yeah. Right. 
So if somebody works 10 years as a teacher, right, but they got the loan givenness from this, get, yeah. do they work in conjunction or? Are Not they? anymore. Good okay. question. So if you are a teacher and you could also get PSLF, it used to be before October 2022, you could do both. Yeah. But now you have to do one or the other. Obviously, we want to do PSLF. They're going to forget and more. And then I, you know, I get like, like tickle pink about this stuff. Like, so exciting. Yeah, yeah. So in July coming up, now you can make, uh, they say you're going to be able, they didn't say what number, multiple payments on your PSLF. So I wanted to wait to tell you this on air. Okay. So like, let's say uh, you had two years left. That's 24 months. Everybody follow? You don't have to wait 24 months anymore as of July. Let's say your payment only came out to, I'm making this up, 250 a month. Mm -hmm. And you like, oh, I got, you know, however much in my savings. Mm -hmm. You can make those payments a lot quicker. Now, what I don't know yet is, is it only that, uh, you know, Troy can make five in a month extra? Yeah. Like, we don't know if there's a number yet per month. Lump sum it. You can lump sum. <laughs> yeah. No. And so what I read recently the other day, it sounded like it's going to be a lump sum situation. Yeah. Remember, guys, they're coming up. And you see how it's perfectly timed for July. We're coming up on what? Election. Election. Yeah. So here's my last <laughs> thing. And Shadi, I thank you for giving me the grievance, grievance here because this is personal, right? And I want everybody to hear it because mm -hmm. I'm going through it myself. Yeah. You gotta you want to do the public zone public uh service. service loan forgiveness because you can get more forgiven. If I did the teacher loan, the max I can get is seventeen five. Yeah, so we don't so want to do teacher anymore. So you want to go towards that. Now you're saying that there's a Biden loan. So what's the difference between those? So this is for everybody watching. Can, yeah. I want to use my phone for yes. a second because yep. I had to read this to you guys verbatim. And you know, I told you I think somebody black made this up. <laughs> you know, the administration is looking different these days. All right, so these are the five groups that are eligible for Biden loan forgiveness. Number one, again, I did make this up and I'm not paraphrasing. Yeah. And I took this from uh, Forbes. So borrowers with current balances greater than what they originally borrowed. Makes Everybody. Sense. Everybody. Okay, most like 95%. Number two, those who entered into repayment on their student loans 25 or more years ago. So, you, so they're changing it from 20 to 25. So more people. Yep. Yep. All right, next one. Students who attended programs of questionable value. You ever go to a school that was questionable? Um. <laughs> when I sent this to my team, they were like, did you make this up? I'm like, no, I took it offline. So that's some of those like the online schools that kind of disappeared. But it, they're keeping it very blanket on yeah. purpose. But that would be like an example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. All right. Number four. Borrowers eligible for existing relief programs, including public service loan forgiveness. This you, this you. This is me. Who just haven't applied. That's me. No, I'm being serious. Not like, that's me. you. Yeah, that's me. Okay. The last one. Y'all ready for this one? Yeah. This everybody. Borrowers in financial hardship. Now, what qualifies financial <laughs> hardship, though? So the problem here is, and the, and the good problem, yeah. is that my belief, and I said this on my platform, they made things so broad because they want almost everybody to be eligible. Mm -hmm. You kind of can find yourself in one of five. Right. Then number two, is this an application again, or is this general? It has to be some form of application for you to be subjective like this. Then the last thing is, um, and to your point, Number three, this is why I think it's going to pass through. So when they did the first round of Biden loan forgiveness, and again, I think everything's political anyway, 
They put it through, um, what was the one that Trump had said we can have the pandemic pause for? I'm sorry, I don't know that one. I think it was the Pandemic Act. There was a clause that a lot of things got passed through. Mm -hmm. So they tried to attach loan forgiveness to that, but that's not what that act was for. So the act that exists that they're going to put this program under is the 1965 Act. So it's called the 1965 Higher Education Act passed by Lyndon B. Johnson. Okay. So I have a friend, shout out to Ebony. She uh, is a reporter for the White House and she texts me all the time and says, what questions do I ask Secretary Cardona? <laughs> I said, you ask him these questions. Do you think that you're going to put Biden loan forgiveness again through the 1965 Higher Education Act? He said, yes. So when it came out, that's what they're doing. This doesn't have to go through the Supreme Court. This can just exist. So what they did was they put a committee, committee of about 20 people together. Uh, they influential leaders, community members, um, good representation for, uh, of minorities. And they put together this parameter, what I just read to you. And this just has to now get approved. But good news is not approved by the Supreme Court. So that's good. Yeah. So what is what is SAVE? Save the save program. So this is uh one of the best programs that I think is going to be very helpful. And we even see the difference with our clients and payments. So this is the new repayment plan. It replaces the repay plan. A lot of people got automatically placed into the save plan. If you didn't get automatically placed into save plan is because they couldn't pull your tax information. Now they're just pulling it. So it's a good and bad thing. But long story short, this plan as of next year, because I just checked everything again before I got here, it used to be a 10% repayment. It's going to go down to 5%. Right now, it's still holding a 10% repayment. Mm -hmm. um, but the flexibilities of it, they're now letting you say, even though I'm married, I can say that I don't have access to my spouse's information, which is a big deal. Because if I have 150000 in loans and we may combine 200000 you think the whole money of the house is going to go to this payment. And most people, that's not the case. So now they can say, which is new than before, I cannot access my spouse information. So basically, like, can you evaluate me on just my information? So it's a big deal to right, help with yeah, people's payments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and that's for anybody? Yeah, that's going to be based off of income. So the sweet spot is going to be if you make about 45000 that they increase that number. It used to be like if you made 30000 if you make about 45000 you will have a $0 payment. If you are making fifty five, and most people make about fifty five to sixty five, mm -hmm. that's going to allow you to have like a $100 payment. So we're really excited about it. We see our clients are like, are you serious? I can afford that. I can start repayment. So we just hear the excitement over the phone because before they get on the phone with us, their estimated payment is like $2,000 because it's just six-figure debt. Now, are, are these repayments that have to qualify, they, they have to be part of a specific pro program? Like I know before it was like mm -hmm. it had to be like income-based. and So the save all, is income-driven. Yeah, so, yeah. Same thing. Mm -hmm. So it bases on how much you make, mm -hmm. percentage of that is what you're going to have to pay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Quick tip, because a lot of people did really well in the pandemic financially. Maybe they had got a side hustle or side business, whatever. Um, if that is not your case anymore, <laughs> right. welcome to the world. Yeah. You need to submit a pay stub. You need to let them know there was a financial change. You can put that. It says, what, did anything change? A lot of people skip it and hit no. No, it did change. You're not probably making the same money you made when you did your taxes in the pandemic. So you should let them know so what you report, right? Mm -hmm. For the taxes. So you should submit a pay stub. If that changes, well, you would be surprised. Like we, for example, I'm giving you a good example. We have 
clients that are, for example, travel nurses. You know, nurses was you know running it up in the pandemic because they they were needed. Yeah. Now it's kind of coming down a bit, kind of normal workflow. And then one lady said to me, she said, "Girl, she said I made three hundred thousand. She said this year it's looking like ninety thousand. Right. She said, how do I show that difference? Yeah. So we had this send a pay step. So if that income repayment was five percent of that, we're mm -hmm. talking about a huge difference in payment per yeah. month. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good yep. to know. Um, so what about borrower's defense forgiveness? So this program is the funniest one of them all. And like, so the thing about this business, um, when I first started it, not to be funny, I was like, I'll start a business that's consistent. Nothing's changing. This stuff changes every week now. Mm. Thanks, Biden. Keeps us relevant. So yeah. borrower's defense is one of those programs that literally is changing almost every three to six months. So borrower's defense, if you went to a school that they identified, there's about 200 schools that Secretary Cardona said these schools were fraudulent. For example, University of Phoenix was on the list. Uh, DeVry was on the list. Uh, ITT Tech. I don't know. This sounds like every commercial. <laughs> every commercial you ever watched was on the list. No. So if it was a if it was a for-profit school with a commercial, check the list. Okay. All right. So when you see your school's name on the list, you're probably thinking, oh, but I didn't go there. No. When I tell you this July, they changed the rules again that said if you ever attended, they're going to ask you a little bit more questions, need a little bit more paperwork. You fill it in, you send it off, in about a year's time, you're probably going to get forgiven. And with this program, they're giving you back the money you paid on your loans. A check in the mail, too. Now, I thought it was kind of like BS, I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. But I have a friend who screenshotted me his ITT checks. I mean, checks because he paid for his education there. So it's a really great program. So while you're applying for these these programs, and it's because most people will say, well, I apply for it. I'm going to mm -hmm. wait to see what the the yeah you know the ruling is they stop paying all right what, what's what's your thought so right now we're in what's called the on ramp program mm -hmm. on ramp means they just are anticipating people are not about to pay this year like it's the you have until september 30th 2024 to get your life together with your student loans october 1 2024 they will start to report to your credit they will uh, you will be late. You will be going back into default. They'll take your taxes again. Not this year coming up, but the following year, 25. Yeah. So you have a year to figure it out. So I say this with grace. If you need to go into forbearance, go into forbearance because you have this year. That's what this year is for. However, a lot of people don't have to put themselves into forbearance. If your lender is Mohelia in this example, Mohelia is putting people into what's called an administrative forbearance because they can't handle all of the workload that's coming their way. Yeah. It's, this is new. They even are pulling in other lenders. Just think about that to do their work. It's a lot of people. So Aid Advantage is now processing all the, the, the consolidations for Mohelia right now. So for forbearance means that I don't have to, I'm putting a pause on the repayment mm -hmm. of my loans. Now, when I was in school, and I don't know if this might have changed, it's right. been a long time. You had six months yep. after you graduated or completed whatever, whatever school you had to begin paying the money back, yep. your loan back. If not, you would go into forbearance. Right. Are those rules still to change? 
all still the same or have they changed over the past it's still the same so okay. you're talking about you were in school deferment so yes. use the right words deferment for six months Defer, six months yes and then when you was like i still can't pay you yes. went into forbearance right what i'm talking about what mohilia is doing is putting people into what's called an administrative forbearance which they cover the interest and still allow you to get months for pslf but those months those those count toward because mm -hmm, it's own? their fault basically the government is saying this is on us when right. there was a pandemic pause, the government said, this is on us. So right. when we were in a pandemic pause, if you had direct loans, you were in an administrative forbearance. During that time, so this this pandemic pause was two and a half years. Mm -hmm. We just started the paying. The longest two and a half years of my life. <laughs> so talk about that, because <laughs> I, I would imagine that as in the, your profession mm -hmm. of you know teaching people about the importance of student loans, there are some people where you might have suggested, hey, there's no interest on the loan right now. This mm -hmm. might be a good time to pay it back. Yeah. Well, what was that two and a half period like for you on your business? Oh, well, I remember when I got the news, um, I saw it on TV and I had to sit down for this one. I said, no, hold on, put my glasses on because yeah, I couldn't yeah. understand what was coming up on the screen. No student loan payments until it was like March. Um, I think I called her first. It was like, shout out to Denise. So I was like, Girl, is this like a like a 30-day thing? What you think? Like 60 days? Because every business owner knows what's in their cushion account. Like if I had to float my employees and all of that. But when they did that, that second extension for the year, I said, oh, you know. So now what I did was, and, and honestly, I made a lot of money in the pandemic pause because I'm a creative. So I said, okay, you don't have a payment. You're going to learn about your loans. You're going to fix other things. So I had put out a student loan ebook. Now that's kind of radical for people to buy a student loan ebook. Let's just think about that for a second. Who wants to buy an ebook around student loans? But what I did was I said, meet me at 9 p.m. And I I probably am the one of the most consistent people on Instagram. I teach every day more than most people. I'm going to either teach you at 10 a.m., 9 p.m., or 11 p.m. Sometimes I do two shows a day. So what I was doing was I was building a community mm -hmm. and we we would have fun. We would we started doing um we would do student loan information first. I start off like I'm a reporter. Then my next personality came on, that's me. I would put some glasses on, some Gucci glasses, and I would turn to Susan. I mean, it was just really fun times. But here's what happened: it made people actually care about their loans and their credit. And then sometimes we would do Instagram speed dating, and I said in order to join in, remember how you do the lives with the different people? You had to have a 740 credit score or better. I mean, it was really good times. Now, now you're like, well, how did you make money? So what happened was in that time period, I think it's because I was very like hands-on. I'm a teacher at heart, mm -hmm. you know, that used to do teach as a college professor. I would say, meet me at nine o'clock, bonding friendly on Zoom, and we would log into our student loans together. We would look at your credit report. I'm like, did you see this? You should do this. So it was just a lot of teaching happening. But I had to shift my mentality as a business owner because his wasn't what was not going to happen. I wasn't going to close my business because of something that I perceived to be as temporary. Mm -hmm. Now, when we went into the next year, I was like, oh, now we don't know when these loans are coming back. Um, that's when I think, I'm not going to lie, I think I did get a little nervous, but I also was very wise with the money I had made. So when I made money off of digital products, and I think I was one of the earlier people doing digital products before everybody started doing it. Mm. Shout out to my friend Nehemiah. He called me, like, blew up my phone. You got to have good friends that blow up your phone. Mm -hmm. And he just said to me, he was like, you need a digital product out of everybody. 
So when it came out, it did really well. Um, I grabbed a couple properties and I brought them in cash. And what I did was I renovated them and I did the Airbnb wave. Now we know Airbnb is or isn't what it is now. Mm -hmm. At the time, people were looking for places to have like a little escape during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So me personally, I had to step out of the shell of the student loan doctor yeah. so that things could be sustainable. And I wanted to make sure like, my team has been with me for over five years at this point. I didn't want to let anybody go. I don't want to go look for good people again. Yeah. So if I need to send some floating money, we call it, or just appreciate you money, I needed to be able to generate that otherwise. Because the student loan doctor business itself wasn't doing great in the last, let's say, year and a half. Yeah. But my endeavors were doing good. So when you see October 1st, <sighs> 2023... We, you know, this is bad to say this, but I was so excited when it was firm when they payment. That is so bad. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, when I tell you... <laughs> when you're back in the game. I was like, wait a minute. And you know what? I actually missed our clients, and they missed us. So we are, like, probably three weeks booked out at this point, which is a good average. We don't want to be that far booked out. Shout out to my amazing team. I'm like... Because, you know, they work part-time. Most of them work part-time. Some work full-time. The ones that work part-time, I'm like, do you got PT or your full-time to handle this calendar of calls? Um, so it's been really good to be so received back um i've even started a training program where i've been training other experts because the reality is this is a trillion dollar problem and i don't envision myself running a call center of staff i, do, I don't want that that is not my sweet spot everybody knows what their sweet spot is i'm a creative but i don't want to be a manager in that sense let me ask you this i'm on a student loan side What's the on-ramp program? So we talked about the on-ramp program is the one that everybody is technically in, whether you ask to be in it or not. You don't got to call for this, guys. If you was just to say next month, I can't afford this payment. I'm trying to figure out how now to do, 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 do. You don't have to call them and tell them. The payment just will add up. Now, some people can go into forbearance if you want to, that you're not getting behind, mm -hmm. but you're not going to be penalized. Well, how do how do interest work? rates work on student loans because i know it's like they're regulated yep yeah but there's different right mm -hmm. if, if it's federal student loan as opposed to private pri private okay so federal interest rates are regulated and are announced every july private loans they're not regulated and they can change and it could be whimsical based off of your income and stuff not wow. your income. It could be your credit. Let's say you missed a payment on your Macy's card. Yeah. Your private loan could change your interest rate. I've seen it happen. Yeah. So, like, for people that's going into college or parents, what, what are best practices for them to actually... No private loans. Don't apply for private loans? So, I have a philosophy, and people don't like it, but I'll say it. Like, don't go to a school you can't pay for, you can't afford. And what I mean by that is it's like, okay, if it's in your plan to use a federal loan, okay. I'm with it because there are parameters to keep you safe financially. But when we start talking about going to institutions that require you to use a private loan, mm. that may not be the best choice because that private loan is forever. So is there any, can you, what's, yeah. the, what's the difference between a federal and private loan? Federal loans. Let's just go there. And, yeah. and is there any instance where a private loan is actually more beneficial than a federal loan? I haven't seen it. So federal loans are regulated by the government. So this is where you have a certain amount that you can borrow every year, even through grad school, even through getting like a doctoral program. But this is to protect you. So for example, when the pandemic happened, we would have never thought we would have had a pandemic, right? The government says, we got your interest, we've got your payment, right. this is on us. Those that had private loans, they didn't get a pause. Mm. 
Mm-mm. That was, and it was really hard for us to hear those calls and those cries because there is nothing you can do when you have a private loan. In that sense, there's no pause. So a private loan. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It's going to be beneficial if you have to close a gap. And I just have to say this, like if you have to go to that institution because a community college or a state college is not going to cause for you nine times out of 10 to use a private loan. If you want to go to uh, Ivy League school, um, if you want to go to an HBCU and there's not scholarship present, yeah. a private loan closes the gap. Yeah, so because a lot of, I mean, even a lot of the Ivy League schools, they're, the funding from the government is very minimal. Yeah. So even, I mean, and some of the state schools, because when we talk about affordability, well, now, it, it, beca- it it's almost like that is the only option, yeah. right? Because when a person fills out a FAFSA, let's say they're a middle-class family and you know they bring in 150,000. We call it the sticky middle. Exactly, so people yeah. who whose parents are in that middle class, yeah. they fill out the FAFSA, right? Because in order to even get a student loan, right. you have to fill that out first. They'll tell you they're giving you $900 a semester, right. but the tuition is yep. 8,000 or 15,000 a semester. There's a gap there. Yeah. And so this is when now it's like, if I wanna go to the school, the options are I got to come up with this money or take out private loans. And so is your suggestion, all right, maybe if it's 15000 this isn't the place for me? Yeah. Not- so unpopular opinion, and yeah. we'll see how these comments go. I'm going to stand on don't go. Because mm-hmm. you got to remember, we're taking calls every day yeah. from people who are crying over decisions that they made. 10 20 years ago that weren't wise mm-hmm. we're talk like you should hear how these parents are talking about their kids like you can hear them going to another room or let's say the kids are grown now and, and she ain't even finished and now she want to be <laughs> a bartender and, and and so now even parent plus loans are like the bane of our existence because it's like the worst federal loan possible what's, the, what's, what's a parent plus so parent plus loans is when a parent gets involved and takes out money on behalf of their child but the interest rate is eight percent and they only have one income driven repayment plan instead of it being like a 5% margin like we talked about mm-hmm. it's 20% it's just the worst plan it's, yeah. it's literally like a private loan again it's just protected in things of like a pandemic right but um to hear the the calls that we take like somebody this is a true story um oh but i was so happy he just got forgiven he had 300,000 in parent plus loans oh. He had three kids that went to Ivy League educations. He's a doctor. So he thought that I can do it because I'm a doctor. Look, they might want to be doctors, right? But the bill was on him. Mm -hmm. So you know me. I was like, well, are they doctors? Because these are older. That's why he got them forgiven. He was like, no. I'm like, what do they do? And then he was like, you don't want to know. One is only making 30,000 a year because he's a numbers guy. He's making... Three hundred and fifty thousand a year. He owes three hundred thousand. I think he had like fifty thousand his own. So let's say three fifty. But his kids are making less than a hundred thousand. This was not a good investment. But we can't say to our kids, "You failed me." You know, like they yeah. can change their minds. 
I, I, my parents had a parent plus loan. Okay. Thankfully, it wasn't fast. Yeah, right? yeah, they they got. Okay. I mean, so the first two years I went to school, um, again, FAFSA was like nine hundred dollars. Right. And there was that gap. So rather than trying to take a private loan, we did the parent plus loan, and it kind of eased the gap. But then the final two years, it was like I had to I do it private because I didn't want to put more debt on, on top them. of, that on was top nice of my parents. I've always been thinking about you know my family. Yeah. And so. <laughs> But again, those interest rates, they climb. And when you do private, like you said, it could be anything. It could be one like, thing. You, know, you didn't you you didn't pay, like you said, your Macy's card. Oh, yeah. And now the interest rate that started from at five percent yeah, go to like eleven percent. I seen somebody go from nine percent to nineteen point nine. You know how much of a difference that makes? It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. So I mean for, for young adults who are sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, well seventeen, eighteen, mm -hmm. about to go to college, and I know it doesn't sound sexy, but community college probably the, the, the mm -hmm, safest and mm -hmm. most financially I'm okay with state colleges. state colleges. I'm okay for you to go where you want to go if somebody else can help pay in terms of a scholarship. Um, and then the other thing is, I think this is where parents and those that are going to be parents that are watching this show have to understand that there is still accountability there. Like, for example, what does Scholarship Sunday look like at your house if your child is in high school? You're probably like, well, we don't do Scholarship Sunday. We want to start. So meaning you have to sit down with your child and say in junior year, not really senior, but more so junior year, what scholarships are we thinking about applying for? Mm. Like, did you, did you write that essay? Can I read it for you? Because if we don't push our children to apply and we're not in that as a partner with them, it will fall back on you as yeah. mom or dad. Or, or take them to the park. And the thing that we see that we're most- <laughs> Get a wicked jump shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if your child don't have no skills like that, then they're hopefully they're academic. Yeah. Right. Like, like, for example, I knew I wasn't going to get no sports scholarship. That's, you know, we're not going to do that. Yeah. But um, but I'm smart. OK, so my mom got really, really sick my junior year. Like she almost died. Mm. So the plan we had a plan. The plan was she was making at that time. It's just me and her. I'm only child about sixty five thousand a year back in the 2000s. That's pretty OK. She's, she was going to send me to a state college and her plan was she was going to make payments for the difference of whatever I didn't receive from FAFSA, right? That was our plan. We mm. had a plan. Well, when she got sick and lost her hearing, she had to retire early as a teacher. The plan is now gone. So I was like, but the plan ain't here to stay in Philly. So I had to do what? Apply for every scholarship known to men. I can remember the day I knocked on my principal's door and I was like, whatever scholarships I can be considered for, I need to be considered. They all knew what was happening with my mom. I went yeah. to a small high school. So on graduation day, I left with 17,000 in scholarships. Oh. When I got to school, it didn't stop. Somebody still got to pay for this. I knocked on every door. There was before websites and I'm not that old, but I just knew, I think people know you better. On every dean's door, I'm not making this up, had my sneakers on that day. And I wound up by the end of the day, I was able to apply for a full ride. So I got that. Oh, but don't stop there because you need pocket money. Remember, my mom is now not working. She's deaf. My, I got to send money home now because I'm, I'm a responsible college student. Now I got to get the scholarship for the books. So if it was a flyer that said, tell us about a traumatic experience you've overcome to go to college. I've got several. I'm from Philly. So I wrote that up and <laughs> sent that in. I got that 250. Like when I tell you, yeah. if you talk too loud about a scholarship, I probably took your scholarship. Like Perhaps. I was, I had Perhaps. to graduate. Yeah. So that, and so when, so when I meet students and parents that I don't have that dog or that understanding, I'm like, you gotta have some money tucked aside because it went from my mind with a game plan to us having to rely on my grandmother who was a retired school teacher her retirement probably paid 40 three people on 40k is not gonna put somebody through college no. 
even after that little loan they give you, my mommy had no credit. Again, she's not working. So it was just so much. I remember that experience. So when I talk to students, like if I go to a high school, for example, or I'm speaking to a freshman class in college, I'm going to give you my story because something has to change. Somebody or something has to pay for this experience if you want it to be whatever you want it to be. That that's to the loan that you're about to leave with life in the 20s and 30s aren't going to be as fun as you think so, because when it's time to home buy, we don't even talk about dating marriages like when it's time to sit at the table, let's say um, I'm like, um, like, hey, Rashad, you know, I'm interested. Rashad, God, you. this is good, Rashad. Rashad, you didn't do it on this episode, but can you let the people know why you're so quiet? Oh, about the student loans? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't have student loans. So if you guys ever go see the first one, he was like, sophomore year, scholarship. (laughs) All right, but let's just say we're about to date, right? And I know that you would probably ask, or I don't even know if you ask people this, but at some point, the financial analyst and, and conservative in you, you will want to have a conversation about debt. But if I'm sitting across from you, no, you got a life story, because it would be even better if you would chime in. But like, what if you wanted to date a girl that had three hundred thousand in loans? No, let's just go there for a second. So talk about. Sorry, that. I took over, y'all. This no, is let's go. Let's go there now. Let's so go there, Sonia. How would that? If I'm dating somebody that three hundred thousand in loans, how does how does that impact me? Are you dating them? Yes or no? Now this is your no, this are is you your gonna, I'm asking. No, she's saying, are you going to date them? If you know that. Well, I'm. Well, well, on the hoodie. Date, well, I'm asking. Is that going to have any impact on my life? Is it? I don't think so. Probably not. But what happens, because my jobs aren't guaranteed. What happens if I lose my job? Well, you said dating or married to money. No, but well, I, I think we should date to marry. What you think? Well, you got to date before you get married. So, <laughs> so you're trying to say that I'm that marriage material. No, I'm just saying as far as I'm looking like if you're getting married, right? Okay. This is good because these are the yeah, conversations sure. that our age group that. has so to have. This is if real spirit. Yeah. If, if you're married to somebody, mm-hmm. so how does that work? Your debt becomes their debt? Well, it depends on how you were raised and what you think. So let me give you a good example. And I'm only trolling with him for fun. But when I actually do appointments, I'm not trying to be funny. Men book a lot of, Denise knows this, appointments for women that they are planning to propose to. I know when that woman's going to get a proposal before that man ever announced it. Why? Because he will call in. Listen, I want to book uh, my girlfriend. I'm thinking about proposing, but she got a hundred thousand, and I, you know she a teacher, but she don't be knowing about this stuff. And I got to see her get on like it's called PSLF before I propose. Like he wants to know that there's a plan in place before going that route because what could it affect? It could affect if they were doing joint taxes, taking the taxes. Mm-hmm. It could affect a default, and if you get into what we call a permanent default, you in default for that hundred k forever. So what happens if you don't pay student loans? Yeah, default. What does that mean? Yeah, so after uh, 270 days missed, now we're going to go into what we call default. Now, there's stages of default. The first time you go in default, you can get out. You can do a consolidation. Well, the program right now, if everybody's listening, is called Fresh Start. It's literally one click. You probably will get out in a few months, right? But that's going to go away, I think, Denise, in like a year, about one more year. So when that's done, it's back to what it was before, which is, are you consolidating if eligible or are you going to do the nine payments? It could be $5 payments on time. You know how many people don't make nine $5 payments and then they never get out? So I met a gentleman and I was so excited when this Fresh Start program came out. He was in a permanent default. He burnt every option to get out twice 
it's two options consolidation five dollars nine times mm -hmm. for forty thousand everybody following mm -hmm. so he was in a permanent default for forty thousand unless he came up with forty thousand and they didn't even want to take payments from him like it was bad like they don't care at this point he was like i could do 300 a month we need 600 like they don't have to negotiate with you at that point mm -hmm. so i was so excited when fresh start came out because he was actually one of those people where he literally got what's called a fresh start he's out of default now, if he messed up again, then it's his last. Well, like, what yeah. What exactly? Because it's like, all right, let's say child support, right? If you don't pay child support payments, mm -hmm. you can they forfeit your passport. Uh-huh. They can um, with take money from your paycheck. Yep. And, so they and, take money and, from your paycheck. And in the worst case. case scenario, they can they can put you in jail. Yep. So, like, I like what are the repercussions? Student loans, taxes, paycheck, never able to buy a house. So they could, they, a, they, could take, they could take money out of your paycheck? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They could take money out of your taxes. Taxes and then home buying for with a federal loan product like a FHA. Never be able to use it. VHA, no. It's a federal loan. Right. You already burnt them. So yeah. and and um are there any student loans that don't require a credit check? For federal? Well, federal loans don't require a credit check. Let's be clear. Like it's almost like the biggest loan that you'll ever get in America without a credit check. Mm -hmm. You went to school, you're eligible. You have a high school diploma. So anybody can get it. If you have a high school diploma, it's, just, it's just limited amounts. Limited amounts, right? Protective amounts. Is that the the credit checks don't come in until you're trying to do like graduate plus loans? Or oh, private loans? Yeah. You need it for private loans? Private loans for sure. Yeah. I'm, true story. Before my credit was good, I had to get a graduate loan, and it wasn't good. Yeah. So they denied it. So I wrote an appeal, and I never forget her name was Keisha. So I knew she was black. Keisha <laughs> was like, um, "No worries, I got you," and she approved it. Shout out to Keisha. I hope she still worked there. Yeah, because <laughs> there's no student loans for for grad school. Uh, well, graduate plus loans or private loans. Oh yeah, the private ones. But they can say no to you, so that's why the story was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was yeah, like, yeah. "Dang, I'm not going to finish my last semester." And then Keisha, you know, I wrote a little letter. Yeah, she approved it. So how how much money do you need to go to college? Well, where are you going? So community college, I guess what we're talking about, like 20, 25,000. If we're talking about state colleges now, like 60, 70. Now, are we- Per year? No, total. Total, okay. Total. Yeah, yeah. Um, are we talking about private institutions? Like HBCUs might be, like, what do you say? Like 25, 30 a year? Probably. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's all about your experience. So my game plan was, I didn't go to an HBCU. I went to a predominantly white school. Shout out to Bloomsburg University. And they gave me a whole lot of scholarship. And on the weekends, I went to the HBCU. So like for parents that's, <laughs> that has kids now, you would say that you, in order to, you, if you want to pay for your children's education in cash in 10 years, let's say, you mm -hmm. would need at least $250,000 on the safe side. Because that, that mm -hmm. would probably cover a, yeah. private, a top private school. If that's where you want to go, yeah. Now, remember, there are certain Ivy League schools that are now saying if you make under, I think the number is 60000 a year, according to your taxes, they'll give that child a free ride. So this is crazy, right? Because when you think about all types of debt, especially in business, you can file for bankruptcy. Yeah. Right. Chapter, this chapter 11, so chapter with, 7. No. Uh, are there yeah. any cases where student loan can yeah. be qualified in there? More recently, there have been several successful cases where bankruptcy and federal student loans have happened and occurred. You see different uh, politicians and lawmakers advocating for that. So there is actually a, and it's so new, it's hard to speak on, but there is a, about a 15, 20 page packet 
that you can fill out to apply for your student loans to be included in a bankruptcy. You have to go to a bankruptcy attorney in your state and you have to go to one that's qualified. And if you are asking them questions and they don't even know that this peg exists, don't pay them. That's my rule of thumb. Yeah. But there are some good attorneys that are up to the latest information and it can be submitted now. This is like as of a, like the last two years. Yeah, because I'm thinking 43 million people in debt. Yeah. Repayments are just starting. Mm-hmm. There's going to be plenty of forbearance and there'll be plenty of defaults mm -hmm. and some people just won't be able to pay. And so yeah, forgiveness no. programs are great, but everybody won't qualify. No. And so some people are going to have to figure out another route. And so I could, in my mind, I don't know if you probably agree, I can see mm -hmm. legislation being changed to add this. Into it's, now it's actively being actively, worked on. Yeah. Um, so I saw the packet. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is very. So the questions they asked were like, uh, tell us about how stu your student loan debt would impact X, Y. Like, so you have to have time. Mm -hmm. You want to get a professional to help you answer those questions. Um, and like I said, very rare cases. It hasn't been fully publicized, but it is being approved. Now we're talking like astronomical student loan debt, like 430,000 though. So I, th that was one of the cases. So um, how does it affect your credit score? Well, so it's still a debt and it's not a revolving line. So it's so basically it's like a, it's like a rock on your credit. So I always explain it. And when you start to pay on the principal, like let's say you owe 80,000 and you put extra money and it starts to shrink, your credit score goes up. It's like, oh, it's getting paid down. But the moment it comes off. So to those of you that all got forgiven, congratulations. But we're going to also hear a negative turn in the next 60 to 90 days. Everyone that got forgiven, their scores are going to plummet. Especially when you talk about 150,000 and forgiven, 300,000 and forgiven. So if they were hoping to home buy, it's like, could you do it like today, or could you wait until you see what your new score is? So what did change. so when Biden he tried to um, have a bigger plan, but the Supreme Court um, blocked it, right? Yeah, a couple months ago. What what was that? So, but that that was all, in my opinion, like that was the plan to be blocked. So I'm not a lawyer and I knew that when I, I read it, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is not gonna go through. Um, we were hoping, we were hopeful, but the legislation it went under wasn't the proper legislation. It was too much red tape, too many opinions, too many signatures needed. So the new program is gonna come back under 1965 Higher Education Act. That's the one we think is gonna be able to be passed under because Lyndon B. Johnson already sealed the deal. How much would that? Well, they haven't, interestingly enough, I know I read it to you, but they haven't given out numbers yet. Okay. But they have been sure to say that if you don't do by December 31st, that FFELP conversion, they're going to exclude about close to 10 million people. Mm -hmm. So do you ever think there's a time where just all student loan will be forgiven? Why would that be beneficial? Well, we in a, if people... If it's a student loan crisis, right, and mm -hmm. and you have millions of people who who just can't pay their student loans, then that probably will have more of a statistically who can't pay their student loans. Who can't? Mm -hmm. I'm be I'm be, I'm you on low on income that. people. I would assume middle class what, low what, income. What do they look like? Black people. Okay, so here's the thing: when we talk about the largest holders of student loan debt, they're African American women, thirty through fifty five. Ah. Percentage-wise or numbers-wise? Well, percentage of the borrowers in total who owns the most in loan debt, who has the most degrees, is that group of people. 
So it's interesting. You remember when um they were talking about the number of forgiveness they were going to give out either ten or twenty thousand? Did you ever wonder why they ended at that number? So statistically, if they gave out twenty thousand, that cleared the population of white borrower, white male borrowers. Yeah, so completely. No race. Yeah, because the amount that they owed was around was under twenty thousand. It was under twenty thousand. So initially, mm -hmm. I think the average. I remember reading this. The average was like uh, sixteen point five thousand dollars that they owed. Yeah, that they had at twenty. That'll clear the entire. So let's just keep going because I've got right. time. So now, when you clear out all of these women, black women with student loan debt, and I know that other people have student loans that are black, obviously, but statistically, now we put. This population with no debt, most agreed, now they can become homeowners, you say? Now, it changes the whole landscape of Welcome to America. So when you ask me, do I think they're going to eliminate? No. Why? So you think that, okay, so it's a, um, a trap pretty much. I'm not saying it's a trap. What I'm saying is this is where our community, when we talk about the black community, and I hate to just always take it to race, but statistically, it's just very glaring, has to be wiser and be informative about borrowing practices. Now, the challenge here is, is that a lot of times when we look at this number, that person is also the first to graduate in their family from college. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to take the pride away from those numbers and the first to have a, a graduate degree, the first to have a doctoral degree. So we don't want to take any of that pride away. But what I'm saying is now mom grandma even let's say your grandma at this point how do we help your child and your grandchild not be in that same number and same boat yeah. one of the things that we're concerned about is if we see our clients get out of student loan debt at like let's say age 40 45 we see that person going back into student loan debt at age 50 55 because of parent plus loans because there's not a plan for their child or grandchild yeah, so so the plan is really, yes, if you want to achieve the same goal, all for it. How do we do it more effectively? How we do it more efficiently? Mm -hmm. So I really love your platform, right? Because if somebody is a, a black woman that's 35 and she's really tuned in the stuff you guys are saying yeah. and she's following some of your strategies, um, she's thinking about real estate. Um, I hate when I you know use my friend over there, but she has like, we got like 10 properties. She's a land, she's a homeowner. She's a, a landlord. She's mm -hmm. a, so she's changing the narrative for her daughter. So, you know, her daughter shouldn't even have to know what a student loan is if we do this right, because there should be enough cash flow income from her properties. Or maybe when her daughter goes to school, it's time to sell one. That is college tuition. So when we start changing the narrative of how we think about our finances and our wealth now, mm -hmm. then we can set our children and grandchildren up differently. So we don't want to make anybody feel bad about what they did or didn't borrow. But what I'm saying is, is the conversation has to change so that we don't see this cycle keep being repeated. Because I don't think there's going to be a wave of forgiveness to help out a significantly yeah. group of population such. Can I go back for just like a second? Because mm -hmm. you said something and I understood from a, the standpoint of having loan forgiveness and that coming off of, you know, your debt to income ratio in mm -hmm. a sense and your credit score plummeting, right? Mm -hmm. So most people wouldn't even understand that. They'll think, yep. wait, it got cleared. My credit score should improve. Yep. But it really doesn't. Can you can you just yeah, explain no, why? There's no more debt to factor. Like, not to be funny, you, you've had that debt probably for over 10 years, years. So it's used to your debt. So now you take it off the board. It's like, oh, how do we factor that into your mix, into your score? So now when you just take it off the board and it, it, what's going to be a shocker to people the next 60 days is it's not gradually paying itself down. It's off. Oh, right. 
So when you held the 740, that 740 might look like a 640, all jokes aside, because that was a heavy part of your mix. That's going to be going now. Then somebody asked me the other day, well, how do I keep that score up? You want the real answer? You need a mortgage. You need another debt similar to replace it of the same amount. I would hope if you would do that, it would be a mortgage and not another student loan. Yeah, you got to balance that out. Yeah. Also, the other part is from a tax standpoint, sometimes when loans are forgiven, uh -huh. does that go into your taxable income? Very interesting you bring that up. So it is taxed federally, federally tax free mm -hmm. until 2025. This is not a forever thing. Oh, oh yeah. Do explain. So after 2025, that's why it matters who gets elected too. That might be taxed. This, these, these are what we call provisions. These are not laws. So a provision is in place until 2025 to say you will be tax-free. Let's say Biden gets reelected, pro-student loan, he might extend it to 2030, right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever his, his term is. But that's the provision. That's like, that's like president to president. So you got to understand the tax laws during that president's era, certain states say, I don't care what the federal government is doing. If you get forgiven for 200K, we're taxing that as income. Oof. So what I would do, so I would probably move. There's about 13 states, I think it is. And I don't know them offhand, just Google it. And you live in one of them and you know you got that letter. I, I got to move. Like, I don't even know, like I'm being funny and serious at the same time. You're going to get taxed for that 200,000 in this example. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. And actually, I had a client. That was a true story. Like, I had a client say, she was like, so I'm excited. She was like, but 100,000 text? She was like, in my state? She was like, I don't know. She was like, I think I need to move back in with my parents. They live in so-and-so. And I'm like, well, can you move? Like, can we put that change of address in? Like, can we file taxes at a new address? Because, yeah, she's going to get taxed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> it sounds so heavy today. There you go. It's a lot. It's a lot. My my last thing, I, I, and before we go, you you talking about scholarships, and I, yeah. I know kids and and parents. This is tough. Is there a place that that kids can go? I remember when you used to go to your guidance counselor. They had this book of all these scholarships. If you were left handed, there's a scholarship. Is there one place or a concrete place that they can go for scholarships and grants? Because we know grants don't have to be repaid as well. So I mean, there you there are many places you can go. It's just hard to shout out places that I think are still reputable. Mm -hmm. um, like the Scully app is one of my favorites if it's still around. Mm -hmm. um, I know like College Girl, um, JP, I think is her name. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, let me see, HBCU Money Guide on Instagram. She is amazing with her work. Um, I tend to post different scholarship strategists on my page mm -hmm. here throughout because I know that they go hand in hand. Gotcha. We don't get into it because it's just, we don't have the capacity. Yeah. Um, what I will say is, you know, you want to identify your child, if you're a parent watching this, you want to identify your child's strengths early on. And that's the scholarship money we're going to start gearing ourselves to. Like, you're going to know pretty soon, is your child sports or academics? Is your child techie or not? Because there's so much money out there and there is really a lot of money there. But here's, oh, and I do have to say this because I used to sit on scholarship committees. Everybody thinks they're not eligible. Women, young ladies particularly, always think they're not eligible. I never forget, I had a young lady that was trying to go for nursing. Uh, the requirement was a 3.0 and some other things. She had a way above all the other requirements. She was super active. She had a 2.9. So I'm looking at her application, but she didn't do one last thing to apply. 
So I called her personally. I'm like, hey, her name was Jasmine. I'm like, I need you to put this in by midnight. She's like, no, instead of 3.0. So there's a psychology here that women, even with jobs, they look at one requirement, go, ah, not eligible. Men go, I'm about to try anyway. So we would see young men at our committee get scholarships over young women. And I realized the psychology is a lot of young women would think because they miss one thing. So she thinks me to this day, she got the money. It was like 10,000 because she just applied anyway. Because you know, here's what happens with a lot of people don't know behind the scenes. When there are private donors that are giving like the three and the five thousands, however, they are asking the committee's opinion. So if I'm looking at Bobby, who has a 3.2, but Bobby joined no activities in school. But I'm looking at Jasmine, who's a 2.9, but she was class president. She was this, she was this, she was this. I don't know. I'm probably going to go with Jasmine because she still had good grades and she managed all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Bobby just was in school. So then I have to tell the person who's given the money, my professional opinion would be, let's go with Jasmine because we know when she gets to school and becomes an active member of her community at school, she's going to do good and still add to the value of their community. Oh, that's a good perspective. Let's give it to Jasmine. Shout out to Jasmine. Yep. Don't forget to come pick up your pieces. Yes. So <laughs> that's a good example. And that's how this, that's how scholarship, the minds of a scholarship committee works yeah. when you submit things like that, especially when they're small and formal. They, they want to look to see who's really doing the work because it's all about, oh, in schools, this is a good one for schools. Schools want to give money to people that have shown proven history in high school of being active and value members. Like they want to put you on a billboard. So when I went to Bloomsburg and got all of that money, it's because I was a part of everything in high school. So nine times out of 10, I'm going to do what? Be a part of everything here in college. You, you can put me as an ambassador. You might want to put me up there like, you know, these, this is how schools think about when they give institutional money, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So my advice is if you're a high schooler watching this or you have a high schooler and you look at your child and your child isn't doing anything, just going to school, that's not enough. What church committee can they join? What nonprofit can they assist? What do their weekends look like? Are they a leader in any capacity? And this is where I say it has to be hands-on parenting nine through 12, because you have to make your child go and do something. And I know that we're just like, well, he's a good kid. He just be in the house on his phone. Well, that's not going to cut it in this time when we're trying to give our money. There you have it. Well, Another great episode, a lot of information. Um, how can people follow you? We definitely spend out of that 300K, but we're just definitely <laughs> another episode. I, I like that though. Like, I got to learn that tactic. So let's talk about the save play. I think we talked to... <laughs> um, you guys 300 a lot. No, no 300 a lot. Oh my God, you guys got to do a whole episode on it. Yo, 300 a lot. Like a survey question. Um, <laughs> um, you can follow me nah, on you, Instagram. What you're saying is real. Like, you know, I'm married. So like I had, that was later on in relationship it was like yo what what how much sure. how much debt so did you guys talk about it after marriage um before before before, before. Okay. yeah because i mean i had be surprised most people talk about it after i had student loan debt right, right. so i need to i know what mine is that i'm like you know what you got yeah, so where you at with it so like you know so we know and what's gonna be the plan right right what's how, how are we gonna bring down this debt yeah so well most people don't talk about it till after yeah, surprisingly yeah. enough and then now it don't look so fun to be in this uh, situation. And I do think that people that have 300,000 should be able to be married. That's not what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I don't feel like those trolls. What I'm saying is it's sure. got to be a plan because if this woman 
owes 300, I would hope her income would be to on the on part to support that. Maybe she's already a doctor in that case, right? Yeah. So we know that there's there's something ambitious about this person. Maybe she can hold this job. But if you meet this person that owes six figures and they don't have ambition and they don't, yeah, that's a different conversation. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you ride though. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram, the Student Loan Doctor. We have a YouTube channel that's out. Um, just type in the Student Loan Doctor. If anybody pops up other than you know little black girl, that's probably not me. They uh, they do duplicate me, you know. <laughs> And I appreciate you guys. There you have it. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.